Goraya and Kujira, which Goraya is gorilla, and okay. uh, Kujira is whale. So like gorilla whale. Uh, <laughs> that's, right? that's fun. And then he almost is more yeah. than a dinosaur. He is yeah. almost more whale mixed with gorilla a little bit. Right. I mean, we don't have really a lot to be concerned about now because you know much like his hairline he's he's retracted from <laughs> oh my gosh I mean, <laughs> welcome back to the wacky wonderful wise works podcast all you guys gals geeks and goofballs episode 373 i believe how are you guys uh how are you guys feeling this fine day? Uh all right, you know, it's kind of rainy, kind of yeah. dreary. In Georgia, outside. just yeah. dreary and rainy and dreary and Yeah. That's the no, winter like, in the south, like my the guy. Song you, the song says raindrops keep falling on my head. Yeah, mm. it, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Uh <clears throat> but other Isn't than that, that you for know, a couple of days now. So you don't have the weather to lift your spirits. No. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate. Um, no, uh, we we uh, <clears throat> we did. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought it was cool. Uh, recently, we got to do some uh, some blacksmithing. How so? Tell oh. us about that. Blacksmithing. Yeah, so last, but obviously not last night for the folks watching. Uh, but for me, last night we uh, um. Uh, our, my buddy Luke was talking about wanting to do a blacksmithing class with, Uh-oh. with these, with these folks, um, a few hours away in Georgia who, you know, they put on a class, they, they have some options like, you know, we'll, it's an all day class, you know, and every, everybody involved gets to make a, a knife or an ax or right. he really wanted to make a soup ladle. because it's because it's it's the soup ladle is really cool looking it's it's a lot of you know a little bit more fine detail work sure um and he also uh, loves soup right yes (laughs) big fan of yeah um but also uh the you know um uh they've been kind of following this this company for a little while sam uh, his Luke's younger brother bought a a hammer, a blacksmithing hammer from them at Blade Show. Okay, um, and had it signed by Neil. Uh, what's his name? I can't. I don't know that I can pronounce his last name, but he's a a, a blacksmith in Hawaii. Um, he's worked with Jason Momoa. If you guys Ooh. have seen that that Jason Momoa promotional trailer, Neil yeah, is yeah. in that. He's in that trailer blacksmithing nice. with Momoa. Um, and so that was really cool. And uh, Jessica, who who works there, who's also one forged in fire, um, happens to be a falconer. Okay. So John, so John Mark knows her. <laughs> and Luke was talking Falconry about- Falconry and blacksmithing. Luke was talking yeah. about going out there and doing a class. And he was asking us if we wanted to participate. And John Mark was like, well, I happen to have her number. Um, so I can call her and we can talk about setting up something and how many Wait, people and everything. Who has her number? John Mark. John Mark has her number from Falconry. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. she's he, a very popular Forged in Fire winner. Yeah, yeah. 
So he's just he's just rolling with the big but, names. But she's yeah, she's mm-hmm. she's done some falconry stuff and um so he called her we've kind of got some stuff set up, but then Luke was like, "Well, I've got my forge at 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 the uh the shop running. So if you guys want to come over, um John Mark has a bunch of railroad spikes. Okay. And he he wanted to take those and make them into game spikes. Um, it is, it's for falconers for when their bird takes down prey. Right. It's a, it's a, you know, quick, quick, humane way to make sure that the animal is dead. Mm. Um, so that the, uh, so that they can either collect the game or, you know, process it for the birds. Right. That way, you know, that way the game's not, uh, suffering. Right. So we went out birds there. Will, birds will make it suffer. Oh yeah, they they don't care. The, the birds, <laughs> the animals don't care. Right. Um. So we went out there. It was cool. We we uh we played around a little bit, and then we stuck the uh the railroad spikes in the forge. And uh, you know, the cool part was that everybody there was enough for everybody to work on one. Um, Luke made one. John Mark made one. I made one. Sam made one. Ethan made one. And they all turned out really cool. I mean, we weren't doing much. We were just extending the metal down and tapering it. Right. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, once we got it to a, a relatively decent point, we quenched it, let it cool, and then um, and then took it to the grinder and ground it, you know, right. ground it into a, a nice sharp spike uh and it was really fun sam made a really cool saber tooth looking one sick uh you know added some personalization to the top signed his you know his maker's mark on there it was really cool i i that's something i've i've been interested in i really like to forge some stuff at some point i don't know if it's all my thing i definitely prefer carpentry i think it's Mm. I don't know, more tactile, less br- blunt force. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, yeah. But, uh, Luke's done a bit of that too, working with uh, Gary mm-hmm. from our church. And um, it's cool, man. It's I, I love cool. it. I love it. I like. It feels like men work. Also, Jesus was a carpenter, so how much mm-hmm. more closer to God can you get? Yeah. And I think, I think <laughs> you know, <laughs> Luke likes to uh, – Luke likes the uh, – I think he likes like the knife forging and stuff, but he really likes the more like blacksmithing um, element of, uh, you know, making like, like spoons and ladles right, and, right, yeah. you know, <laughs> s- stuff that you can, you know, he, he really likes Use every metal, day. practical metal work stuff. Yeah. Cause like if you, if you make a blade, you're going to, mm-hmm. there's a specific use for that. And unless you're like constantly, either in a hobby or a line of work that requires blades a lot yeah. of times. Like, like you could, you could be a really, like you could get an awesome blade if you're a butcher, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh yeah. And use it all the time. Cook. But if you're not, you just want to, you, you want to forge something or blacksmith something that is actually going to be useful for every day. Because then when you're making soup, you have a thing you made to interact mm-hmm. with during yeah. the process. And, you know? and like we made the spikes and John Mark was like, you guys want to want to keep yours? And we were like, no, we're not going to use them. Give them <laughs> give them to the falconry people or put them up in one of the raffles that they do at the falconry events. And, right. 
you know, let let the people who can actually use them and know how to use them use them. Otherwise, they're just gonna sit. Yeah, it's gonna sit somewhere in my. I don't room. want. I don't want a sharp spike. Just for, for you got yeah. plenty of sharp things. I've got, I got plenty of knives. I don't need. Yeah. I don't need a railroad spike. Right to uh, to add to that collection. But yeah, yeah, it was cool. It's satisfying when someone uses the thing you made. Mm-hmm. I think uh, like last year, two years ago, I made. Um, I made cutting boards. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't know, I made cutting boards for quite a few people and I don't know all who used them, but one, uh, one person used it and sent it and sent it to me as a picture of them using it. And mm-hmm. it made me feel good. Cause I was like, all right, I put time and effort into this. It's a handmade cutting board for the kitchen. It's sturdy. It's thick. It's awesome. Oh yeah. We, and they used it and it's just good to see them. It was Anna. And it was we, good uh, to see them using it. You know, we've, for Christmas, we we threw uh, made a nice sort of mini charcuterie board on uh, on that. That's awesome. cutting board that you made. Yeah. Freaking, I love it. I love it when people use the stuff that I intend because it feels like it's a form of love. Mm-hmm. It's it's <laughs> I gave you love, and now you're reciprocating love. Yeah, That's what I feel like you know. It's yeah. beautiful. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys, have yeah. you seen, so obviously I don't, I don't want to get into any p- politics and like the mm-hmm. presidential race and stuff, mm-hmm. but what's this new trend with, it's not new, but it's, I feel like so Vivek, right? Yeah. Vivek Ramaswamy, he dropped out and he's kind of, I feel like he's in the campaign to be vice president right now. <laughs> well, he I mean? was, I think he was the, uh, the, the highest, uh, runner up for the Republicans. Yeah. No, um, for the for the vice presidency or for the No, for, for Republicans his he had the uh the most votes runner up behind Trump. I don't think so. Well, based on what? So. No, on the in the Iowa caucus he came in fourth behind yeah. DeSantis and then Nikki Haley. And then uh he dropped out then. So that oh, was the man. only voting thing. The polls, I don't oh, what think about indicated it? that. All that to say is he's making the rounds on internet platforms, like comedian mm-hmm. podcasts. Um, he even went on Friday. He went He went on Friday Night Tights. Did he really? Back. Yeah, I'm pretty wow. sure. Either, he's, at least he's yesterday, I didn't see it. But yesterday they were talking about how Vivek was on. Mm-hmm. on the on friday night tights when i was listening so oh. i was like he's he's in the mix of the internet space and it's yeah. smart anybody who knows anything about modern day marketing would do that but it's just mm-hmm. interesting to see that i didn't know if you guys had a take because right now donald trump's just doing speeches and going to churches and preaching at churches mm. yeah donald <laughs> um, trump donald he, trump's yeah. preaching from the pulpits of these churches yeah he is definitely but, in more of a younger crowd um I, I did sample his podcast on Flagrant. Um, yeah. And uh, he was talking quite a bit about um, him dropping out and stuff like that. He gave a um, really awesome tip for, for people that are starting businesses or comedians or whatever. And it's to have a small notebook where you carry around. And whenever something in life annoys you, make a note of it. Because he said that's, that's how he started his first business. He found something mm. that annoyed him. And mm-hmm. uh, and he built on find that. a solution. Find a solution, and and yeah. it also makes good comedy as well. But oh, it's, go, it's sorry to cut you off, Joshua. Go ahead. Um. Oh, well, I was just saying that. Uh, um. Yeah, he he definitely is is trying to do more of an internet based thing than anybody that else that's running. I haven't seen 
anything from anybody on the internet except for him. But now he's dropped out, so I don't know. Uh, maybe in like, you know, next election he'll run again, and and maybe he'll be more well known because the internet and he'll build his his I guess internet fame fandom more by then. Sure, but as long as I, he doesn't, as long as he doesn't like get VP or get into some form of government and then start screwing and and becoming untrustworthy, you know what I mean? I saw a sign. So there's a, uh, on our on our way over to Luke's. There's a uh, there's been a big sign on this one person's property that says DeSantis 2024. Mm-hmm. And then we were driving past today, and the sign had been swapped out for an equally large, uh, just white sign with with big marker on it that said "Screw it, Trump Vivek 2024." <laughs> <laughs> I love that energy. It was very funny. Um, I love that energy. I, I, I'm gonna say this, and then I think we should uh, go into the first segment. But um, the thing I've heard is. People are really, they're questioning him specifically because of like him openly being, I guess, what is he, a Muslim or he's he's Hindu, 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 whatever he is. Um, And I think like the blue collar, you know, people who, who normally Republican lean towards maybe, oh, they still America in God, we trust kind of the Christian Mm -hmm. morals that we started from. They're like, wait, well, we're not going to be if he's president. But then I also think, I think we've sailed from that a long time ago. But it yeah. is kind of the, yeah. the question of like, that is true. You do have to kind of have that in the back of your head. Yeah, I've heard I've heard a little bit of worry about if he were to uh, get into presidency or vice presidency about um, his uh, policies regarding India, because India is um, uh, right now the government is majority Hindu, and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of radical Hinduism going on over there. Um, lots of uh, what other does radical r- Hindu look like Hinduism. It just it's it's a super conservative uh, Hindu um, belief system. Lots right. of other religions are being persecuted christians muslims uh, uh, lots of okay. others are being um they just don't like anybody who's not hindu right yeah now. they're tr- they're trying right. to run a lot of people out and it's it's uh you know and and a lot of people are being hurt by that and uh i i've heard a little bit from some people about a little bit of worry there but his policies seem to be uh, as far as conservatives go, rather conservative. Well, uh-huh. his his yeah his yeah. his politics are American, mm-hmm. and not his. I don't think his politics are Hinduism. Uh, right, it, that's that's his personal faith. I think he holds and respects the personal faith of Americans the way that you mm-hmm. should as president. Yeah, and if that's the case, if that's the case, that would be a positive. Um, I think I think I don't have any problem with him. Uh, it's not any different than if you elect anybody else. Like how many politicians right now are actually religious Christians? Right, mm, and and how and how many are like you know debaucherous? Um, yeah. More. Yeah. you know Im- immoral um, people well exactly. i mean i mean we don't have really a lot to be concerned about now because you know much like his hairline he's he's retracted from <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> in his 30s nonetheless yeah Dang, that's unfortunate um 
Well, yeah, let's go ahead and jump <laughs> right into our first segment. All right. Um, so because this has been a little bit of a popular subject recently, I've been seeing a lot of uh, a lot of people sort of excited, uh, lots of waves being made around the uh, the name of Godzilla. Yeah. Okay. And I just kind of wanted to look through, uh, get some of you guys' uh, thoughts and opinions on why this creature mm. is. And, and I, I can't even necessarily say the movies themselves. Right. I know why a lot is of the people, character of Godzilla? I know a lot of people have, you know, really strong connections to specific movies in the in the Godzilla, you know, movie space franchise history i'm talking about specifically godzilla the character what is the allure what is what makes him special uh and i have some i have some thoughts and opinions but i i want to i want to hear you guys first uh Um, okay so well why do people like any kind of monster i think i think monsters in general have been a a favorite thing in in media, in like entertainment, for a long time, mm-hmm. there's something I don't, I don't know. about a, a, us running away from a monster. Okay, I I have a story though as to why I think. All right, so okay. well, first off, it's for for me personally, it's nostalgic, and I think it's nostalgic for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of a lot of kids my age, especially my age and younger, had the Godzilla toys. And he was the coolest monster dinosaur esque yeah. thing that was out there. And and I think, you know, some people it's the same way why people like Donkey Kong. They had the Donkey Kong Game Boy, you know? Right. And mm-hmm. and you you get attached at a young age. That's me personally, but also just the the fascinating nature of him as a character, his how he's he's agnostic when it comes to humanity. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. more, um, and he's one hundred percent on board with just what's I. I guess what's what's the disturbance, and what do I need to destroy to get rid of this disturbance? Right. That, that's kind of that's kind of the 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 nature of him as a as a beast, and and also just the versatility with his powers and his his traveling in the cord surface and under the ocean and everything it's it's interesting it's fascinating it almost in in some movies it almost feels like a a specific antagonism towards humans a little yeah. bit um, but i i you know you know at, looking through this topic i've sort of found that people like disaster movies Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People love disaster movies, and people like uh, dinosaurs as well. Yes. And I think you mix those two together, you get a dinosaur disaster, <laughs> big dinosaur okay. disaster. Right? There's something. There's something I think alluring about the idea of you know the disaster you can't run away from, but it has a face. Mm. It has an identity. Uh, people will pe- people have always looked at Godzilla's, but even when he's destroying Tokyo, just absolutely wrecking them. right and and looking at it and saying, this is a creature that was um, wronged, you know and and so you almost it 
I think I think the allure of Godzilla is sympathizing with the disaster. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's a lot of and and you know obviously you know the first Godzilla is uh, a representation um, and a sort of uh, uh, an analogy of um, the the atomic bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as obviously as time goes on, Godzilla sort of started to become a character. Yeah. Uh, you know, fighting why monsters do, and mecha Godzilla. Why do we, uh, watch disaster like tsunami movies or earthquake movies? Why? It, yeah. Morbid curiosity. Morbid, curi- fear. morbid curiosity. And then throw fear. a dinosaur in there. Yeah. It's the same reason people watch horror movies. Um, it's, it's that, that fear of the unknown and i think godzilla is a good mix of fear of a creature and fear of disaster yeah and also i think with disaster it's it's humans love a comeback story Mm -hmm. and and if you have a couple characters who can survive a disaster that's unsurvivable yeah and solves the problem it's all solve some form of problem whether it's just survival whether it's just getting out of a city whether it's avoiding the tsunami or whatever it is or and the movie 2012 if it's uh, no one survives i don't believe (laughs) but if it's literally just like how do we make it until there's nowhere left to go you know what i mean that's that's there there's it's a journey that people want to be on even if it's if it makes you sad if it makes you excited if it makes you um fearful it it's a journey that's that brings you some form of entertainment. I think that's that's. But also, also, you know, with the disasters, it's like there's there's you know maybe we can survive. With Godzilla, it's maybe we can survive and uh, potentially stop this thing. Maybe yeah. I think yeah, that there, I think that, that lends itself well. I I did want to um, briefly just kind of mention since we're looking at a little bit of the history of Godzilla, yeah. the name, the original name Gojira, came from it was like a, a he was jokingly dubbed Gojira uh, mm-hmm. by a worker uh, who worked at Toho. It's mm-hmm. sort of a mix between uh, Goraya and Kujira, which Goraya's gorilla. And okay. uh, Kujira is whale. So like gorilla whale. Uh, <laughs> that's, right? that's fun. And uh, then he almost is more yeah. than a dinosaur. He is yeah. almost more whale mixed with gorilla a little bit. Right. And so he uh, and then and then that sounded like Godzilla to English audiences. OK, uh, which which just, you know, ma- naturally made sense. So, you know, after after Godzilla became. Uh, a character he sort of started fighting other monsters uh sometimes protecting tokyo sometimes destroying tokyo (laughs) um and he's changed throughout the years i think that's also a big it's like zombie movies or vampire movies the the reason people keep watching is because the characters change what's the new what's the new meta the new thing yeah how do we what's the new thing that's going to happen with this character um what's the next picture after this um yeah oh yeah yeah this is the one that i had an action figure of so so the 
the, no, the 90s version. Yeah, like 97, 98, Matthew Broderick, Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Very Americanized. But it sort of took it back to uh, natural disaster kind yeah. of Godzilla and... Um, dinosaur. They leaned into dinosaur. Yeah, dude. it's a creature that's sort of been mutated and it's just trying to live mm-hmm. not necessarily with a personal vendetta until like the end obviously uh and and also almost universally disliked by godzilla fans um <laughs> i i i still like this godzilla um it's a it, fresh take it was sure. well it was the first i think it was probably the first godzilla movie i watched and it you know that sense of enormity and destruction and fear mm-hmm. um and wonder as well for the for this kind of giant lizard was there uh and then obviously it went from this um there's there's been uh the, this yeah, is the most recent american one. version the uh 2014 um monster verse yeah godzilla which by the way i I know it's it was a concerted effort by a lot of people, but mm-hmm. and I I will stand on this forever. I don't care if he changes sizes throughout the movie. <laughs> I don't care if yeah. people have a problem with it. The first Godzilla, directed by Gareth Edwards, is the best. You it think? is. It just is amazing. And and I know, I I in some ways I I want Godzilla to be Godzilla. And so I Mm -hmm. kind of like the natural disaster. They kind of made him into a hero a little bit. Um, But just the, just the ominous uh, feelings around Godzilla coming out of the earth that the first Godzilla brought to us for the MonsterVerse franchise was just brilliantly done. It was just done so wonderfully. The Godzilla in that movie is fantastic. Um, I think it's really cool. I just, I can't get over you know, in uh, Avengers, they're twins, and then in Godzilla, they're married. The two yeah, actors. that was that was weird. That was I, weird I, to I, me. I watched the video. Because they're actors, and they're not related in any way. It's just it's weird. Literally back to back movies. They acted I watched the video that was like talking about that. It's like it was weird to watch Aaron Taylor Johnson and Amelia Olsen go from siblings <laughs> to married. Yeah, uh, their agents something some something you know something's weird about that <laughs> no uh, it's fine it's fine may, i it's it's absolutely possible that it could have just been that they had good chemistry on yeah on the avenger set and so it's like well it makes sense let's you work know. again yeah <laughs> I, but freaking i have no problem with it he well, has a different haircut the biggest uh, problem, hair the biggest problem with the 2014 <laughs> movie was people thought it was going to be um uh, what's his name? Brian Cranston was going to mm-hmm. be the main character. That's how they marketed the movie was Brian Cranston yeah. and Godzilla's a natural disaster again. Yes. Um, uh, but it really became Godzilla's a hero. Godzilla's a hero. And we're watching mm-hmm. Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's less interesting than Brian Cranston's <laughs> character. Hold on. Don't bash Aaron Taylor Johnson. He did a good he job. Just, he was just kind of boring military guy. After Cranston's performance in the beginning of the movie where he is obsessed with these happenings, mm-hmm. man, I really wanted to watch him throughout. And then, obviously, Godzilla becomes a, a superhero as the movies go on. 
Yeah, and um, and we're we're literally getting Kong and Godzilla as right. Avengers, and they've changed his body style. the The biggest issue I had with like the most recent Godzilla Kong trailer is when Godzilla starts running and he's pumping his arms. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. When previously his arms are out front like a dinosaur, and he runs like this, yeah, right, well, with his arms I mean, kind of tucked. They, yeah, they clearly they took inspiration from from something and you know what's the most famous running scene in all of cinema history you know tom cruise you that's tell, what you he's saying, doing. that's what godzilla is doing he's pumping he's his doing arms the tom cruise <laughs> also annoying you me. loses that you lose the sense of monster enormity when mm-hmm. you're when you take these titans and give them an mm-hmm. all-out run scene <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah like <laughs> the in the in 2004 14 when he moved, he moved with enormity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, like in the newest trailer, it's like they're freaking like even you said, in, they're, they're Tom Cruise running even at full in speed. Um, if they if they all out ran how big they are, they would be causing earthquakes halfway across the world. Even in um sorry, excuse me, uh uh King of Monsters. He yeah. runs he runs at King Ghidorah, but his arms are tucked. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's a short sprint across the city, and it still feels it still has that weight, that heft. To right, it. right. Uh, and they're losing it with the, the more, tuck. you know, with the more colorful, more uh, child star led stories. Yeah, it's really then, getting nerfed. I hate it. It was it was uh, interesting that in in 2016, Japan took Godzilla back to. Uh, natural disaster again and yeah. i would say almost over the top they made a godzilla is the this this mutant oh creature goodness, i've never seen this before that evolves slowly through the movie starts out as like you know this thing crawling on its belly and mm-hmm. vomiting blood throughout the city <laughs> you know as it as the radiation changes it and it morphs uh it, it looks Godzilla in the, this movie, the Shin Godzilla movie, looks like it's in pain, like throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's but it horrifying. Also, but you're right; it gives it more of a horror style as opposed mm-hmm. to it, it's it's a fresh take. I mean, it's the same. I, I don't think you can be any more upset with this as you were with uh, the '90s. I believe it was that. Mm-hmm. The, wait, wait, who made that one again? Uh, which one? The Ninety-seven. Yeah, the one Matthew we Broderick. From, Matthew Broderick. I you don't can't know. be more I, I upset almost... with this as as like his take on the other one. It's it's except they're adding almost a morbid horror vibe to oh, Godzilla yeah. as a character, mm-hmm. or like more frightening, if you would. Mm-hmm. And I can't be mad at it. it. There's so many different versions of Godzilla. I I like look. This is one of the few IPs because there are so many different versions of Godzilla, so many different stories around Godzilla. Is he a hero? Is he uh, a disaster? Is he I don't know. Is he literally a horror story? I I'm okay with experimenting. I'm okay yeah. with trying it out because at at its core, it's a simple story. Mm-hmm. So you have room to play with. And I think be- I, I I think you're right. I think that's why. The most recent Godzilla minus one has gone back to Godzilla as um, sort of a a somewhat tragic uh, creature that was mm-hmm. mutated by the radiation 
and is uh is is going after Tokyo. Right. Because that's right. where it, it feels the malice has originated from. And people love this movie. Yeah. People are saying best Godzilla movie ever. Ever. Yeah. Which yeah, that's a that's a high bar. And especially I've looked for the like solid numbers on how much it costs them to make this movie. The yeah. the one I keep seeing is fifteen million. Mm-hmm. But whether that's the actual number, it could be closer to 20 or 30. Uh, that's uh, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I keep also hearing people when they when they react to this. They're like, you can make an awesome movie of 15 million. And other people are like, well, it means a lot of people didn't get paid. You know what I mean? And oh, I'm kind yeah. of like, I, I want to do we really think that a movie that only has a 15 million dollar budget can't be awesome? and everyone gets paid like is that real like do we know that- the also how they do things in japan is different uh they they put you in a room and you're in that room for the next week they work their <laughs> employees their animators everything but that's um, also just asian culture like you it really hard. yeah it really is no they, one gives a crap a about you work hard this. you know <laughs> right if this movie cost 15 million to make then the, the dudes in the rooms were working way more than you know way way more work than for what they were getting paid probably mm-hmm. as far as american standards go mm-hmm. um i think i think there's something there's something to that to basically saying earn your money because American Hollywood is I'm not saying if there's anything unethical going on with how they how the laborers for movies in Japan operate I'm not endorsing it but what mm-hmm. I am saying is let, let's find a middle ground let's look at the creator you know they used resources oh, wisely yeah. and they didn't overspend and it feels like people earned their money whereas Hollywood and a big reason why Disney's uh, just up in arms right now it Disney's just flailing is because they're paying tons of people for doing nothing or mm. doing very, very poorly done work. And, and there's something to that spirit of work hard, make something amazing and earn your money. Even if it isn't, you know, top dollar in the market, like yeah. it's still something because people are out in the streets of cities or in construction, not all construction jobs, but people are working hard out there. Well, just I because know, you're in the arts doesn't mean you get a free pass. I know, for example, uh, this MAPPA Studios, which is a big anime studio, um, and they've been putting out lots of projects in the last couple of years because they're a really good animation studio. Um, they, I remember when they were releasing the, the last seasons of Attack on Titan, I remember right. reports saying that like the, the MAPPA animators are just swamped. They're working mm-hmm. incredibly long hours trying to get this, trying to do like uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, trying to do like three or four other projects all at the same time. They're releasing more projects now than they were then. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping they've expanded their studio. Otherwise, these workers are just absolutely swamped with how much MAPPA has on its plate. It's quickly becoming one of the uh, most most used uh most working studio anime studio okay this is this is what i think look 
if you love animation, if you love design, if you love production, mm-hmm. there's something beautiful about it. Like if it's just a job and you, it's not like your, your passion, then it's going to be hard to relate to this. But there's something to being working so hard and working on a skeleton crew and creating something amazing. And mm. I think we need more, more documentaries about the creations of these things. I mean, look at Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. They didn't yeah. have the hugest budget, but they worked everybody's butts off constantly for years to get this incredible franchise made. And it was after it was done where they reaped the rewards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um because at the core, they're all passionate about the story. They're all artists. Like the the people that were by hand weaving the chain mail together for these costumes. I mean, and they documented all of it so we can be there on the journey. And there's mm-hmm. so much respect for the production of Lord of the Rings because we saw all these people's faces. We saw the the caterers who <laughs> we talked mm-hmm. about caterers for for Titanic last week, but we saw the caterers for Lord of the Rings in the in the behind the scenes and that do, the documentaries and stuff. And so we know these people on it in some extent. We see their faces. We know who is involved, and that's a beautiful thing because we know they worked hard because they love it and they wanted to bring the world something special. You know? Yeah. So it, before we, who was, who did I was interrupt? It. That was it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> before we move on to like the next stuff, I have one more question regarding Godzilla. Yes. Okay. Um, the previous movies have been successful. Right. But a, aside from minus one, a legendary Godzilla monster verse movie hasn't been released in, um, the last what two years sure yes uh and we know that these kind of uh, a lot of these big budget movies have been flopping mm-hmm. you guys think um even though the previous movies have done well up to uh, even godzilla versus kong um you guys think this new godzilla kong movie is going to succeed or do you think it's going to fail all right this I mean, is my let's look at um the Fast and Furious franchise. How many is there? Ten more. Ten. Mm-hmm. They are still making them, and they're still making a money, making money off of them. So mm-hmm. hold on. I, mean, I think they will, but it might not be as much as they want. It's not going to be a billion dollar movie. Well, look, look. This is. I I think there's a, there's a flaw in that system. I think there's a lot more love for cars, and and racing mm-hmm. stuff than. Than there is for monsters cinema. I don't know the the giant monster universe has, uh, uh, it's it's carried on throughout okay. decades. So this is my this is my theory. It's going to be a financial success. It's probably not going to make quite as much as Versus did. Mm-hmm. No, the reviews of this film are going to be mid. Okay, the next one. It, it's so people the movie are going to be probably will be mid. look the yeah because it will be that's that's what's going to happen so we saw the first couple monsters we loved them then we got uh verses mm. and then there's a lot of people that are disappointed by that there were some cool moments but i feel like overall we're deterring from what's interesting in uh and a lot of people hated the choice to make millie bobby brown the main character 
one um, of the many main characters. Yeah, and there was a lot of a lot of problems we had with that, but a lot of people still went to the theaters and watched it. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a small handful of people that choose not to go to the theaters to watch this next one. So you'll see a little dip in income, but it'll still be a, considered a success. Mm-hmm. But the reviews are not going to be great. Like the views, are, the reviews are going to. This isn't going to be a round of applause kind of film. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think people are just going to watch it and be like, all right, okay, I'll give it a five out of 10 or a four out of 10. You know what I mean? That's going to be mm-hmm. what people feel about it. I feel okay. um, it's going to be considered a financial success as far as the, but as far as investment versus reward, but it's not going to stand out. I don't yeah. think so. Okay, cool. Well, that's that's just an easy prediction, in my opinion. I feel like that's exactly where it's going. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I'm pretty much on board with that assessment. Yeah, and I love Godzilla. I love that they released minus one as a wild card in there just to mm-hmm. show the world what it could be. <laughs> you know, and I, remind I do, everyone. I do want to warn you guys. I didn't realize this till what? I had the uh, the podcast made up. Um, we're gonna be. <laughs> We're gonna be visiting Japan a little bit in each segment. <laughs> oh, you got you got had, Japan on the mind. I was like, I was like the the second segment. I was like, okay, you know this this sort of deviates a little bit, and then um, it, it all it wraps back around to Japan somehow. So all of this episode's Japan. This <laughs> <laughs> is the Japan episode. Uh, all right. Well, before we get to more Japan, thank you, Karina, for being yeah. a pod uh, podcast patreon supporter mm-hmm. she gets a free free early episodes not free that's the that's the opposite of patreon she gets early podcast episodes and she gets an extra uh pre-show podcast every single week as mm-hmm. well as other patrons but karina you are being highlighted this week so thank you for supporting us over on patreon if you too want to support us go to the link in the description or on the end card of this episode and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't have a whole lot to say. I, I feel like I should say something just to give people yeah. a break from Japan, but maybe I'll say it <laughs> between the next segment. So let's get back yeah. into Japan. Well, we don't, if you guys want to move on right along to the next segment, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, uh, let's just it get doesn't have to be a super segment. long segment. It was just something I saw that I thought was interesting. And I wanted to ask you guys, um, your thoughts less on, I think, um, even this actress or this story and more of your thoughts on, um, movie stars, people becoming movie stars. Right. And, you know, getting critical acclaim and then moving on to other projects and whether or not the momentum of your acclaim is going to keep going through through the next project. We've seen it happen. We've seen some actors in who are we talking about? By the way, uh, Lily Gladstone from Killers of the Flower. Yeah, yeah from Martin. Okay, uh, Killers. Killers. We've we've seen actors get this critical acclaim and then move to other projects, and then you barely hear it from them again. Right. Uh, right. And I and I'm curious if she is going to maintain momentum because she's she's been in a couple of things before this movie, mm-hmm. um, and and garnered a you know some acclaim for her acting in those. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering if she's just, you know, kind of be going to be on a hot streak for a little while. I, I don't know about a hot streak. I mean, there's people like, uh, Daisy Ridley, where, where's she been since star Wars? Mm-hmm. Um, but also I, everybody doesn't want to be in the limelight all the time. Like these yeah. mega stars that do project after project and are constantly on the go and have stressful lives. People just want to, you know, do a project here cause they enjoy it. Rest, do a project here. And then it, they don't have to be in the limelight all the time for us to like, not be like, where are they? What are they working on these days? But I think she'll be in the background here and there, but I'm not, I don't think she's going to be in the limelight. I have a theory. Mm. I think she's too old. You think? I think she's no. too old to be someone who goes on a big old movie campaign. True. Like, yeah. Uh-uh. yeah. Cause uh, who, who's, who's on the campaigns currently? Sydney yeah. Sweeney. Yep. Sydney Sweeney's on the, on the, the young attractive person campaign mm-hmm. just like timothy chalamet is just like uh, tom holland was just like austin butler is we're on the young attractive people movie campaign i think she's too old i think she's going to be but in a I, lot of great films. Think, i think she's going to she's going to she's going to uh kind of know her limits on like clearly i'm i'm suited for these dramatic roles uh, mm-hmm. like killers of the flower moon and work more in the uh the dramatic sort of realm of films and movies i don't know exactly that's the thing i haven't seen have i seen anything else except killers that she's been in i don't no, think I'm i have positive that you haven't and so i don't know her versatility i really mm-hmm. don't and, and if she's very versatile usually Actors that go in that are in dramatic things also dabble in comedy a little Mm. bit. Dabble in, um, I would say some some dabble in like the the box office superhero genres and or monster verses we talked about. But I don't see her going that way. I think she could dabble in some of like the dark comedies that are coming out. But Maybe yeah, she's well suited, obviously, for drama. I just don't know her versatility very well. Is she is she slated to go on to something else? Yeah. So uh, there was an article I saw that was talking about how she's moving on to the Memory Police, um, which is uh, it seems to be in sort of a similar vein of like you know drama. It's actually based mm-hmm. on a book, which uh, not was not on purpose. I just saw the article and started reading through it. Um, but this is the, uh, the, uh, book adaptation season of, mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Oh and yeah. Since the movie that she's going into is, uh, adapted from a book that makes it that much better. Uh, it's a, I believe it like a sci-fi sort of thriller. Right. Yeah. Uh, people are, you know, kept on an Island and, um let's see what it says uh uh, the novel is a parable taking place on an unnamed island off an unnamed coast where a majority of the island's residents are subject to collective amnesia they endure lost of forgetting things including objects people and daily rituals uh, with the amnesia enforced by an organization called the memory police a novelist (laughs) tries to hide her editor who can still remember 
from the memory police while he encourages her to write a book. Mm-hmm. The memory police? Mm-hmm. That's the corniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but apparently the apparently the novel was uh was enjoyed. I, I saw some people saying it has sort of a timeless quality to it. Um and it's a it's a I believe written by a, a Japanese um writer. Okay. And, yeah. Is she you think she uh, she likes the book adaptations because you know Killers was a book adaptation. Yeah, you know maybe maybe it's maybe she feels like she can jump into a role of a character that mm-hmm. has been written down and really kind of uh, get into some of that character work and and read about who she's playing. Uh, yeah, to, to maybe she just you know a big reader. Down. She likes the stories. And, you know, they're always better that way because writers are better storytellers. And then if you make a, a screenplay based off a book, then usually it turns out better because it's, it's not – there's better story in there. Right. So uh, this is interesting. So Reed Morano is going to direct this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is best known for her cinematography work. <laughs> and yeah. she's got – She's got a couple directing credits. Best known for hand- directing. I know Handmaid's she directed Tale. the uh, the like the pilot episode for Handmaid's Tale. Right, but she's yeah. but most of her credits is as a cinematographer, um, and then her directing credits is Handmaid's Tale, uh, uh, the TV series and shorts. Yeah. I don't know that it could still work though. I mean, a a good director needs to be able to communicate with their DP to get the shot they need. So oh, I'm I'm fully on board with a cinematographer who knows how to tell stories, who have like a natural ability to tell mm-hmm. stories, makes can make an awesome director. The problem you run into is are you that that the skills that don't translate as well is are you really good at communicating emotion? Yeah. Because yeah, cinematographers can see and visualize emotion really well and mm-hmm. capture it, but can you communicate what the actor needs to know that's that's a that's a yeah. skill that doesn't translate as well so if she mm-hmm. has that that's great i think as far as the handmaid's tale goes the drama was really well done i'm not a fan of the story but i don't what think she the visual story. Story. i mean uh, the visuals are awesome the handmaid's the, tale visuals the, are incredible. lily lily uh, no reed yeah. reed moran no 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 lily lily oh. as the actor at least what I've seen of interviews and her talking about stuff from killers, she's very good at, um, you know, just rolling with it and improvising on on the spot because her and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio did a lot of improvising for killers. And so I think as long as she's she's got the shot she wants with, you know, um, the camera as a as a good dp and then she just lets lily just kind of do her thing and lily knows what character she's playing and telling the story Mm -hmm. the right way because she's read the book and she's done her research then i Mm -hmm. think it'll be fine i think maybe there could be circumstances yes where she's like she can't communicate with her actors because um She's not good at that of getting. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying act, anything about her. I don't good. know her. I mean, I, I don't know her quality of work yet. But I, you're right that if you were inexperienced with that, getting the best actors <laughs> who are good well, at that is she's, a good idea. You know, um, I know that she's received an Oscar nomination for uh, best actress this yeah. year. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she wins that. A lot of people are saying that she was really good. Who, uh, Lily? Yeah, Lily Gladstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't she get a Golden Globes as well? I Yeah, I'm pretty sure. They thought Leonardo might take it, but mm-hmm. Killian took it, and she took uh, Best Lead Woman. For, we, we never for, talked about that. I don't want to go off of this this topic. We did. But you weren't on the episode. You were you were not on the live. I think. Well, no, we t- we briefly talked about, it and you said I had started the movie, but I haven't gotten to the end of oh, Killers right. yet. Um, you never finished it. How, what? Did. How do you think of the did end of Killers for Leonardo specifically, his acting, especially at the trial? It was the same as the rest of the film. I mean, he was no, more emotional. No, I disagree. I don't know what you're pointing out there. Leo was the same level of good acting through the whole film, but I would not say it's his best film he's ever done. We gotta, we need to sit down and get wise. I think he's look the complexity of character and the amount of um, the amount of details with his character that he has to work through in Inception is a lot more dense than this character, Mm. in my opinion. Okay. What about her character? Uh, her character, as far as like in Killers of the Flower Moon, I think she was great. I, I, was she she played a much more versatile yeah, character yeah. in in Killers than than Leonardo I, did. I think she should have won the role over Leonardo, but I think Leonardo definitely did a did his like best performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm, no, she she definitely so. deserves to win. She did a fantastic. She deserves. Job. She deserves. I, if Leo gets an gets a, an award, I don't think it's for this movie. You I, are. He was, uh, what do you say? You just I want am what? Fight. You you just want to give all the props to Oppenheimer and Killian, and they were good. I don't want to downplay that. But you just I'm not don't want to give any props to this movie. Leonardo did the character perfectly, but I am telling <laughs> you, it was not as hard of a character than other roles Leonardo has done. And so I'm saying it's not the most impressive performance, the most impressive character he's ever acted he'd be, as. He'd be doing – he was hard for this movie. He went hard. I'm saying he did a good job. I'm just saying the character you wasn't as good as other characters he's played. Did, okay. Uh, one more question, and then we'll go back to actually like <laughs> segment. Lily Gladstone. Um, do you think he was packing his cheeks at the end? Packing his cheeks with yeah. tobacco? Um, no, he was doing the, the Godfather thing, the Marlon Brando thing. Probably, but he, wasn't it supposed to be tobacco? He was doing tobacco the whole time. He was swallowing tobacco. Um, sure. No, no. You, like during the trial, you know, he, he had the big cheeks. Yeah. Would, was he getting in a fight? I can't remember. Um, I, I think that's what it was or something like that. He got into a fight or his cheeks were swollen for some reason. But remember, closer to the end of the movie, his cheeks just kept, kept getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> I don't. I didn't. I mean, didn't I. I didn't pick up on what that significance might be. I just caught the whole film. He had something in his mouth, and I just assumed his character loves tobacco, and that's what I went yeah. with. Mm. I mean, he they literally he literally took a moment in a scene where he's talking to Robert De Niro to pause his line to go. Swallow his tobacco. <laughs> Did you catch that? <laughs> I I haven't yeah. seen the movie. Yeah, there, you, there's we, one. You scene. gotta watch it. Maybe we'll sit down and watch it today. Look, there's one. It's a long movie, Wyatt, and I'm gonna be honest with you. It doesn't hold 
your attention as hard. No, as don't as listen to him. Just go into a blind. I, I, I watched form your I've own opinion. Long movies before. I have a problem with the artistic expression that that uh, George, uh, Martin Scorsese chose to end the story. Mm. I have a problem with it. Okay. I don't. I don't want to ruin it because Wyatt hasn't seen it, so he doesn't know what I'm talking about. Okay, well, let's but go back. He summarizes how the story ends, like because there's a lot more story that people that the audience needs, right? Mm-hmm. That he didn't include in the film, mm-hmm. and so the film almost cuts off, and then in, in a in a height in a heated moment, right? A really important uh, climax of the film, and then it's summarized in this other other way. And I feel like in some ways, look, I respect Martin Scorsese. I definitely don't enjoy all of his films, but I 100% respect him as a filmmaker. But I kind of felt like it was shoehorned in so he could have mm. the last word a little bit. Him as a person. You know what I'm saying, she, Joshua? She. You, you know um, what I'm saying. Yeah, you just yeah. don't agree with yes. me. Yeah. But no, I, I'm – perfectly fine with it the movie was long and they had to close it out somehow i liked it i i this was my favorite movie of last year and you can't argue about that i enjoyed this over oppenheimer as much as oppenheimer was good i enjoyed this more than oppenheimer and i'm gonna take that to my grave grave? yeah whatever man well uh it was funny as i was uh as i was making these this i actually made this segment last Mm -hmm. um (laughs) And I, I sort of got to the end and I was like, oh, this is based on a, a Japanese book <laughs> by a Japanese author. And I just previously written two Japanese centered segments segments. Um, I think so I have another slide of, of the book cover. Let's see. Oh, that's that's more. Mm-hmm. So here we go. So okay. the, the memory police. Yeah, I think. I'm I'm curious to see what this is. It, it's a little on the nose with they have amnesia and the, they're co- controlled by the memory police. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a translation issue? Was this written in it English? It could be. It could be a translation thing. Um, this was. They could I'm, have a more interesting name in Japanese. Yeah, th- that's true. It could. It should, could translate to be a bit cheesy. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it. It's not written in English. This book or this yeah. story, but. I, I'm interested to see. I, I need to know more about Reed Morano, and and we have a lot of cinematography credits. I think she's a good cinematographer. Mm. Uh, she did the Place Beyond the Pines. She did the the work on that, and I I really enjoyed that film. Very interesting take. Did you guys ever watch that movie? Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, Behind the Pines. You got um, Bradley Cooper, uh, Ryan Gosling. I don't think I saw that one. No, so it's I don't it's long. Like- it's interesting because what they do is they tell three stories in that film mm. and they don't tell them simultaneously. They do the full story, end it, and then start the next one, end it, and then start the next one and end it. Okay. And so it's an interesting story structure. She didn't write it. She didn't direct it, but she did the cinematography. I thought the cinematography is really well done on that. It is a long movie. I I, I need to, I definitely have to watch this when it comes out. One Lily, uh, Lily Gladstone's probably going to do good in it because it seems like a story that she would do well in. And then maybe, uh, hopefully, it's not cheesy as as I initially get the the impression. But yeah. also, I'm curious to see what Reed Morano does as directing. Uh, she's 
I I think it's really cool that cinematographer's directing. I just want to see what her chops are, I guess. Nice. <clears throat> that's my all my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> you know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about all I had on this topic. Okay. What's what's your last segment? Why Joshua, why are you just rushing us along? Oh, like no. you're like a oh, freaking <laughs> just he goes, Oh, oh. Well yeah, <laughs> I'm just still thinking I'm thinking about killers and how much you both are just I, I don't look at me. me I haven't it's seen a the good movie. movie. And I haven't seen the movie. I'm just not saying with the fellas. Look. You guys are letting me down. You break look, my heart. We're talking about movies. All right. Oppenheimer is a ten out of ten for me. Okay. Killers of the Flower Moon is like an eight. It's right there where I ranked. Look, um, we can always we can agree creator, to disagree. Right? Everybody can I have their own just, favorite movies. Guys, I'll break. I put Top Gun Maverick here. at a nine. I enjoy Top Gun Maverick more than Killers. This, that's what this whole thing is about. Everybody's <laughs> got differences of opinion. Everybody's you know got favorite movies. Some people's opinions are wrong. We've right, established man. that. You, I mean, you don't appreciate <laughs> the, you know, my my Ready Player One pick. A you wrong opinion. That. <laughs> I think that's like, a wild opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you don't appreciate the killers for what it is. I haven't and, seen and the it. art form that Martin Scorsese could be one of his last films that he ever does because it's he's not. Old. It's okay, not, so you think he's going to die be before one of the, comes one out? Of the last, you know. It, you just don't appreciate it, and I'm and you you're disappointed me, fellas. You're just disappointed. <laughs> so I I I was actually curious. I thought that article was about uh, her moving to another um, Scorsese film. Um, that she she was going to be in another Scorsese film. Right. You think? Oh yeah, that does, he, that kind of does sound like Scorsese. You think he would? You think he would work with her again? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see why not, but he, like Josh was saying, he has a limited amount of films left in him. True. Um, and he, we know, we have confirmation he's doing a 90 or 80 minute Jesus film, mm-hmm. which is not going to take very long. So he's probably going to have that out pretty quick. Yeah. And then he's going to do a, probably another big epic, but it's going to be a timepiece and it's going to be on the seas, the high seas, right? I'm interested um, in that. Well, she could play, she could play some character in that. Like a pirate. Uh, yeah, cool. she could, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. What freaking, I don't know. I don't know. Scorsese, you guys are asking arbitrary questions that I have no indication no of, of an opinion to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, let's, Martin Scorsese would work with her again. It's like, I don't freaking know. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and dive into the last segment. Okay. Um, Shogun. I watched the most recent trailer for this. Mm, as we um, all did. Mm-hmm. And it's get it's got me even more excited. I I went back and looked uh I, I've been looking up some of the the story overall. Right. And the reason we're highlighting this is because this is another uh adaptation of a novel. Yes. Um yeah. And it's like it's like a six part novel or the novel has six different parts in it, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, according to where they are geographically uh, as they move along. And it follows it. It follows the um, 
like the rise of a um i i guess a um a daimyo i don't know exactly what a daimyo mm-hmm. is but i i assume it's like a, a noble mm-hmm. um named toranaga he uh rises up through the ranks and becomes the uh, the the shogunate he becomes the shogun and a shogun is uh essentially like the highest general of the armies in japan um and many believe to be more powerful than the emperor as far as like just his actual because he has military and control yes, and respect. control of the entire military and actually if i move the predator here oh there he goes i have you got the book shogun yeah i actually have the shogun book i saw it at a thrift store a while ago and so you've read it. the book no i have not Oh, it's well, a thicky. That's disappointing. Yeah, it is. I also have the we have the audio book, so it's I don't know which I want to do if I want to read it or audio book it. Um, how long? Based on your book? current lifestyle, you probably will audio book. Probably it. is it is it like 30, 40 hour audio book? Probably. Okay. Oh, for you, that's that's, that's, that's lot, nothing. So. Yeah, piece um, of cake. But yeah, so it's about his rise to to become shogun, and it's sort of through the eyes of the uh, this European. Um, oh yeah, and he's he's played by um, oh, what is his name? I had the IMDb up a second I'm gonna ago. Up. Yeah, Yoshi. Uh, his name is Yoshi. Uh, I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling it up. I got you. I got you. Uh, like Tanasada or something. Mm-hmm. That's. I know his first name smart. is Yoshi. Why is he not at the top of the list? He is the, at the top of the list. Not on IMDb. I'm almost positive. Oh, wait, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just uh, a younger picture of him. Hold on. This is so freaking stupid. Why am I? <laughs> why am I helping you or, out? Oh, yeah, he's, he's playing. Yeah, he's <laughs> playing Yoshi Toranaga in his. Uh, the actor's name is Hiroyuki Sanada. Man, yeah, no, freaking. I, I would not be able to up. help you. I don't know why I'm like, I got you. <laughs> that I see mm-hmm. his name. I'm like, I don't got you, bro. I don't got but you. <laughs> very, very famous actor. He's been in yes. yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, really cool to see him kind of playing this sort of main character of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's kind of odd. He, he doesn't usually play these kind of characters. Usually he plays in more like you know, white films than, you know. He's played in a lot of American films. He played in a lot of Japanese films, though. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, but the the rise, his rise to Shogun is through the eyes of uh, John Black's, Blackwood, Blackthorn? Blackthorn. Who's a European. Yeah, he's a uh, European. He's, he's, I think, shipwrecked. Yep. His crew is shipwrecked. And he... Sick. Um, he he so, makes himself useful as a like a helmsman for is, for the Japanese. They, they is this a movie or a show? Show, a TV show. It was okay. a it, it was a mini series back in I, I want to say the eighties as well, which I watched a, a significant portion of that. I was young, so I wasn't able to follow it super well. Yeah, um, it was a movie, but he's uh they they call him pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, Anjin or pilot because they can't pronounce his name um, and it's it's him following um, Toranaga through through this rise of politics through these epic yeah. large scale 
Japanese battles, ship battles, land wars. Um, Sweet. And and w- also with uh, another lady, um, Lady Marika. I think she is a – she's either like a secretary or a concubine or both. Um, <laughs> I just know that she's a, she's a servant of uh, Turanaga and she's – okay. She's got sort of sketchy family history. Right. Um, and she I'm getting- helps him like learn Japanese and, and get into like the culture of J- the Japanese. And eventually he, I think he meets up with his old crew and mm-hmm. is kind of flabbergasted at how, you know, kind of barbaric they are. Europeans are. Yeah. yeah, this is I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm getting some serious. Now, do you think the last samurai was based around Shogun? It, a little uh bit? it could have been. It it has a lot of similar themes. A ton of uh, similar themes. Yeah, uh, the 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 uh, observation of mm-hmm. Japanese politics through the eyes of an outsider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Learning their ways. And and also the 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 woman character, you mm-hmm. know. The relationship with with Tom Cruise's um, Nathan's character in The Last Samurai, and then, but yeah, it's it's kind of like the Shogun or his rise to fame is 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 going to probably have a little bit of an emotional journey, the same yeah. way that Ken Watanabe's uh, journey was as the sam as being a samurai, last, yeah, that is a dying breed. And then at the end of the film, you have Tom Cruise's character who European gets ingrained in the culture mm-hmm. through through literally taken as a hostage yeah. and then at the end is has mutual respect and can see the problems with his his own culture and and it's very similar vibes here the other as- the other big story point in this is the contentions between um the Jesuit priests who are already there and uh the Protestants so um Blackthorn is a Protestant and mm-hmm. uh, Turanaga kind of notices that there's, there's, you know, dissension in the ranks amongst the Europeans and the Christians. Right. Um, so there's a big sort of political religious, religious, religious aspect to this. Um, cool. It's from the trailer. This looks like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I love historic epic large scale battle type stuff on like the level of you know game of thrones yeah also extremely artistic even with like so the the violence i've noticed just from the trailer the violence has an it's very brutal it's going to be extremely brutally violent film but it or series but it's also uh done in an artistic way which i i enjoy if you're going to show violence like let's make it cinematic let's do let's see some some images that are beautiful and horrible at the same time. I think, yeah. I think it, that's it, everything looked really, really good from this trailer. Like very big cinematic. I um, had problems yeah. with the tr- the first trailer. The mm. second trailer is alleviating some of those problems because I mm-hmm. feel like the second trailer actually was attempting to give us a story or the placement of some of these characters in the story. Yeah. Where the first trailer just felt like a montage of cool looking shots. Well, <laughs> you know knowing I mean? knowing kind of what this is, it's it's the rise to Shogunate um, through the eyes of Blackthorn, right? Um, knowing that that's the story, does that does that sort of help you yeah, if you're yeah. going into this kind of un, like 
100 feel, feel like you know the direction yeah i, I it's I've, it helps me in some capacity to understand like the vibe is similar to the last samurai it's very different at the mm -hmm. same time but it's a similar dynamic. character character to mm -hmm. character dynamic you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and so that's gonna that definitely helps because the the second the second trailer gave us some story about kind of maybe who's the villain kind of who maybe uh is the lead kind of who where people where characters are placed in the dynamics but still there's not a whole lot of story given there and i think in some way the marketing's relying on people to just be aware of what this story is i don't i i think a lot of the marketing is relying on people to just be super interested in large-scale japanese Warfare. warfare oh yeah yeah that i would they're definitely pushing that they're definitely pushing that and and i think i especially for a sh uh, show that's going to be probably more more japanese than english right mm -hmm. it's going to require a lot of reading for me it's going to require a lot of paying attention i kind yeah. of need a framework there <laughs> but what do you guys think of this like large-scale battle historical epic being Sweet. uh turned into tv shows it seems like that's been happening a lot recently it definitely happens a lot more recently i would i wish it was a movie i don't mm. think as many people will watch it if it's a movie but i think wait you, you mean the opposite you think no. not as many people are gonna watch it because it's not a movie no i think more people will watch it because it's a tv show and really? like if it gets thrown on a streamer i think so Mm -hmm. I think if it was a movie and someone had to go to the theater and watch it, they're not not as many people are going to watch it. It's a big um, story. Yeah, this is being I, released on Hulu. I wish way. it was. Yeah, so they definitely will get a lot of eyes. And we're also going to have to sit through a lot of commercial breaks. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so many commercial breaks. Uh, yeah, I think you you may be right. Maybe it pops off and has like bear level level eyeballs on this show, mm -hmm. but um. But we also I, run into the same issue we had with Oppenheimer, like our timepiece stories as popular these days. Well, sort of. I'm timepiece is, I think, different. Like, I timepiece is different than historical epic, okay. um, large scale warfare, politics, and intrigue is different than just a. Uh, that's why people, so many people were interested in Napoleon. Yeah, um, because it was it was like you know large scale scale warfare. You know whether oh, the movie yeah. it on that or not. You know, but this this seems like it's it's trying it's attempting a Game of Thrones level scale. Yes, mm -hmm. um, with his like the adaptation of this book uh, for historical Japanese, but uh, the difference. Warfare. The difference between Game of Thrones and this is it's not only doing a, a scale of Game of Thrones, it's doing an art of, I don't even know, I don't even have a good example. It's, it's going to give us visually awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas Game of Thrones was like, we have a lighting setup and we have the camera and we're relying on the intrigue of the story and the characters to really do a mm -hmm. lot of work for us. But this is actually going to be a cinematic masterpiece. Well, this is know? also a historic historical piece over game of thrones all fiction 
yeah, fantasy. Yeah, but that doesn't change the fact of how hard you go with the cinematography. True. And, and no, the composition no. of everything. We couldn't find the, – the budget hasn't been released for this. But from the sets, from the costumes, from the visuals, from the people – I'm, I mean, I want to say that most of the people in this scene are probably real. Uh, some of the uh, some yeah. at the back might sort of start becoming CG eventually. Mm-hmm. But I there's a lot of people on these sets. The cine- the the C the CEO of FX did an interview with the Hollywood Reporter and said this is the biggest budget they've ever had for FX mm-hmm. uh, that they've ever done. So it doesn't we don't have numbers, but it's getting a lot well, more than the bear look up and really everything. Quick, um, uh, biggest FX budget. Let's see if that anything comes of that. Uh, series budget, maybe. Mm-hmm. Top fifteen expensive TV series ever made. No. Uh, this much? is saying FX usually spends about three point five million to four million per hour on its dramas. Um, Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story franchise is closer to six million per hour. So there's they ha- there's it's a far cry from a Game of Thrones budget still. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing right. So per hour is can be labeled as per episode pretty much. Right. So we could say um, it, it's possible that this could be running ten. To Game 50. of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones was was ten million an episode. Mm-hmm. Um. And in the last couple seasons, they did a little bit more than that because they dropped the episode number. So they, and then contrasted with, you know, something like The Chosen, which is doing about a million to a million and a half an episode. Mm-hmm. Well, so, if, this is, if this is the the highest budget for a show and um, the the that other one was six million. Maybe we could be flirting with eight million an episode. We, yeah, we could be, you know, mm, yeah. barely fairly close ish to game of thrones we're probably not going to have as many dragons yeah <laughs> um, i don't think so but what but, they what they lack in in visual effects needs they make mm-hmm. up in cinematography art yeah but 10 <laughs> 10 episodes and i imagine these are going to be some long episodes yeah at least an hour uh this is this is a big show it is it's going to be a good watch it's going to be a worthwhile watch hopefully I think so. when um, is this coming out March first on Hulu on Hulu this year, yeah, I yeah. think so. Oh, oh, I thought it's I thought we were talking about this early, like this is next year type type. I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me on that. Well, I'm quoting for you some reason. FYI. I feel like the did this. Did it say February? Let me just February twenty seventh. I'm sorry, I thought it was yeah. close to March. February. But it's, it's coming up. It's this year. Yeah, it's next month, Oof. dog. Yeah. Uh, so. Everybody be looking, and the live action Last Airbender is going to be dropping the twenty. Man, we got a lot to watch. We we better we better. Dude, you know, Dune is dropping in March. In March. Yeah, <laughs> March Lots of big stuff dropping. We got a lot of good stuff yeah. to talk about. It's exciting, uh, and we could stop talking about freaking Killers of the Flower Moon for goodness sakes. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> that what? 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 Yeah, I'm never talking about Killers ever again. Well, then I'm never talking about Oppenheimer again. You can't. Wow. It was awesome. How can you avoid I'm it? I'm glad you guys got to come in here and see uh, these two brothers arguing about yeah. you know, high-level, excellent 
actually directed and acted movies. We 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 stepped into the world of of Japan, and we you heard two brothers arguing. That hot yeah. take. I could have I could have made the story of Killers of the Flower Moon better than Martin Scorsese. Ooh, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Big words. Big I don't words. got a good enough experience for that. I don't even. I've never even been on a Hollywood movie set. So how would I know? Dang. I've been on my own. Well, that's the uh, that's the episode I had. Yeah. I uh, I debated doing a game, um, but really no real solid game was coming to me. Um, Sometimes so you got to pull it out your butt, right? I, I, I mean, just your butt's it, gotta you gotta never mind. Keep going. <laughs> I just uh, <laughs> you know I wanted wanted some wanted some uh, you know a little bit of serious stuff. Mm-hmm. So everything from Everything from whale sharks. What was it? Whale. What? What was Godzilla based yeah, on? Like gorilla, gorilla, Gor- whale. gorilla whale. <laughs> Everything from a gorilla whale yeah. to uh, to a shogun to memory police to memory police. <laughs> big big Japanese energy on this episode. Yeah, um, and yeah. we'll finish it with uh, just one phrase that I think yeah. we all can get behind. Ready? Trump for Vake 2024. (laughs) That's what I say.